the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. 516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader. 1220 KDOW. Welcome in, Rob Black, talking all things financial, money invested in more, a little new focus on things. One of the areas that I'm intrigued by is trying to help people out, and it's not always that black and white. Um, I always, in my mind want to uh, get people better at investing, uh, better at saving, better prepared thinking about the future. And I do seminars, and, you know, the seminars are really, they're really healthy for me. Uh, Because I get to curse, I get to swear, I get to say inappropriate things to make people laugh and to find some of the joys of money, some of the joys of investing. And I got a recent email back from someone who was recently at an event. And you can drop me an email, rob at robblack.com. And this comes from a young woman named Mandy who I met, and her partner Dan and I are the young couple. They're starting an African travel company in Redwood City. She said, I wanted to write to thank you for all the sound advice you give, gave and the hilarious delivery. When Dan's dad registered us for the event, the 20 Steps to Financial Freedom thing, she said, I must admit, I was nervous that a bunch of financial information would make me anxious and overwhelm me a bit. Instead, it was an awesome time, and I learned a lot. Investing has never been explained to me in such a straightforward way, and I'm excited to get my finances even more organized. She says, if you have a second, would you mind emailing me your notes from the talk? Thank you so much for your time. Hope this finds you well. Kind regards, Mandy. Now, I bring that up because she's probably not listening, but I appreciate Dan's dad. So she's a young woman who's in a relationship, and uh, the father of the guy she's dating signed him up and kind of pushed them into this. And I'm thrilled when I hear that she thought financial information would make her anxious and overwhelm her, but in the end, you know, she got a lot of sound advice out of it. That's what I try to do on the show, to the point that sometimes I fail. But, you know, my ultimate goal is to get you thinking about money and investing in a different way. And I think one of the premises that I have is that you're going to need a million dollars to get to retirement. Um, and I think you don't realize this when you're 20 or 30. And the best thing we could do as a society is help each other realize that's a good number. It's not the end all being all number, you know, Mandy and her relationship, she could value intimacy with her partner more so than where she's living. 
she can value, you know, the love of her children that she's living with more so than the ability to travel. My goal of a million dollars, it's, it's, to me, you could probably have a goal of 700, 800,000. Or if you want to live higher on the hog, two million, three million. And that's kind of what I try to push on this show. So I was wildly thrilled to get that email from her. Um, and they were the type of couple that I would have a couple beers with. They were the type of couple that I would chat with and say, you know, um, what do you mean you're starting a travel company? So when I Googled her name, she had, her partner had spent a couple years in uh, Africa working at resorts or working at, I don't even know what you call them, uh, parks, uh, safaris. And she was well-spoken, and she, you know, written a lot about the various pros and cons. She'll do well. Uh, but I'm glad that at least now she knows she needs to save X amount of money. And to do it, you need to save 15 to 20% of your paycheck. Because, again, it's not rocket science. Let's, let's figure this. If you make $100,000 a year, you're going to make $4 million in 40 years. And that's what you have to live off of until the day you die. And unfortunately, the government's going to take 25% of that while you're working, right? So $4 million becomes $3 million. Taxes in the state of California are going to take another 20%, 23% maybe, when you start counting in Social Security taxes and things like that. So $3 million becomes $2 million. So then you have to live somewhere. And that's one of the reasons you do have to invest in real estate at your home, because you're paying yourself rent. Uh, it's one of the reasons you have to believe in Wall Street, because you have no other options. Historically, Wall Street beats bonds, and historically, bonds beat real estate. Now, does that mean you jump in now? And by, like, I saw another email that came in. And again, it's robertroblack.com. And this was a young guy young woman who has saved well over $100,000 for a down payment and her parents were willing to give her $200,000. She was worried about the price of real estate. I'm like, there's some things that you just have to give up and, and stop worrying about. You're getting a low-cost loan, which is probably as important in the argument of high-cost real estate versus low-cost real estate. Um, you know, certainly, like, if you wait till the fall, you'll probably get a little bit better inventory. But you also might get higher interest rates. Now, I don't want people thinking real estate is an investment. I want people to see it as a liability that typically works out over time. So sometimes you have to take a little bit of that leap of faith. Because if you don't, in your 20s become your 30s, you've lost 25% of your working time. I hope I'm making a little bit of sense here. Anyway, um, Marissa Mayer. Yahoo! Talking about, uh, talking about becoming even sexier in my eyes. CEO of Yahoo. Um, she's done the cover of GQ. She had the killers play her wedding. She's married to an explorer, a philanthropist, um, a good guy, a puppy lover. 
Her compensation for 15 months of work at Yahoo? $214 million. That's hot, right? Are you with me against me? Now, she's famous for working long hours, and she's turned a company worth $20 billion, 15 to $20 billion, into a company worth $35 billion. Or she's been there while it's happened. A lot of it's happening because the Alibaba division of Yahoo in China has just gone crazy. Crazy good. But $215 million. Uh, she's known to work like uh, 20 hour days and then go on vacation for a week. So she gives it her all and then she unplugs her all. Makes you think you should have become a CEO, huh? Makes you think you should read her book on her life and maybe push your kids in that direction. Anyway, the stock market is a great place to be. Um, yesterday we got the news on the paltry GDP numbers. We were slightly impressed with the pronouncements from the FOMC. Again, we're playing it close to the vest and we're close to all-time highs. I want to thank all the listeners out there. Uh, you can always email me, rob at robblack.com. It's rob at robblack.com. You listen, I'll do my best for you. Stocks are consistency companies, those with S&P quality ranks of A minus A, A plus. Welcome back in. Rob Black and your money. You know, I told you, Marissa Mayer, $215 million compensation in roughly 15 months of work. Um, How about this for eye-popping? Ford CEO Alan Mulally, he announced his retirement on Wednesday. He's amassed nearly $300 million worth of Ford shares and options in his eight years at the automaker. That's pretty eye-popping, huh? He's 68 years old. He's going to retire July 1. He's accumulated 6.2 million shares of the company. He's due to get another 1.8 million shares in the coming years. Um, he's got options to buy. I don't know. Is that Are we like at this cliff in the United States where we're not shocked by this? Now, again, we get shocked when we hear Michael Jordan made $65 million in his career. We get shocked by numbers like that. Like, wow, that's a lot of money. I'd play basketball for free kind of st- things, right? But $300 million in roughly you know, five to seven years at, at Ford. Holy mackerel. S&P 500 is down five. The Dow is down 40. The NASDAQ down five. Joining me now, CFP Chad Burton. Chad, it's an easy topic to get into, a lot of spinning, a lot of fluff. It's been done before and again, but the prenup, prenuptial agreement, financial contract between you and the person you're marrying, typically considered a contentious idea in the media. What's your thoughts? It shouldn't be. I think that uh, if you can't, it's really a barometer, I think, for the marriage. If you can't talk about money, if you can't talk about a prenup, um then you're probably going to have problems. We all know that, what, about 50 55% of marriages fail? Yep. 
where prenups are even more important is t- tends to be that second marriage, and 60% of second marriages fail. Wow. And the second marriage, you're dealing with issues of not only money, but also of children from previous marriages, and that, you know, how do you step-parent? Um, how do you deal with those issues on top of money? So prenups, you know, if you're getting married straight out of college, unless you're doing a, you know, you're a, you're already well into your law degree or you're, you know, you're going to medical school or whatever. Um, a lot of times there's not a lot to protect. But in your second marriage, you have kids, you have assets, you have, uh, you might have a business where you have salary, which is community property plus profit distributions, which can you can separate outside of that. Um, so it's really important in that second marriage to talk about money, talk about how the kids are going to be raised, talk about prenup. You've already been through a divorce once, so don't don't do it wrong again. So a prenup is a good idea. I always tell the story about how out of college I lived with a girl, and uh, she swears one album was hers, one CDs was hers. I swear I bought it. And when we broke up, it was contentious over a CD. Yeah. Could you imagine more important things like IRAs or if you own a business? Are you talking about CD? What about, what about these iTunes accounts that married people end up with all this music, and then how do you split that up? I don't know. You can have it. <laughs> just go. You can, have your, you can have your 99 left balloons. <laughs> you can have it. Just go. It's a phrase that pays. Um, so you need a prenup if you're going to get an inheritance, if you own a business, if you have children from a previous relationship, like Chad said, if you don't make a lot of money now, but maybe your future earnings are going to be greater. Uh, you know, I'm a classic example of that. And like kids in law school. You know, they get married in, in grad school, and then, you know, he, she supports him. She's waiting tables. He's getting his law degree. Next thing you know, he's making a giant salary five, ten years down the road, and uh, there's an L Splitsville. Yeah. Well, it's you and a lot of business owners. A lot of business owners end up, you know, the first ten years of, of working and, and being a slave to your, your business that you're trying to create. You don't make a lot of money in the beginning. You're always working towards that future scenario of, okay, the business is now finally running itself instead of you running the business. And that's when you can start taking profit distributions and things like that. So a lot of marriages fail when you have a business owner that's, you know, kind of a workaholic. And so in that second marriage, it tends to be when that business owner is now finally hitting that point where they wanted. They have the right salary. They have the right profit distributions. So that's when it's really important because when you get married, Rob, your salary is typically community property. Right. So that's really hard to protect. And you can you can do certain things in terms of, well, if the marriage lasts this long and you're at home taking care of the kids, then maybe I'll pay support for a certain period of time. You've got to think that all through. If you're going to get married and you both have kids or, or you have kids and the spouse doesn't, who's going to take care of the children? And what's going to happen if the divorce lasts 10 years and one person stayed at home and didn't join the workforce? How are you going to help? How are they going to get retrained? There's all sorts of things that come in the prenup agreement. People need to do this before they cohabitate and well before marriage. Yep. It's tough to do after. And it's tough to do when you suddenly learn, like, this person has a problem communicating with money. It's right. emotional for them. Well, after, yeah, I mean, the prenup is before. So the postnup comes into play where you get, you know, a separation occurs and almost a divorce. And then you kind of, usually a postnup will come into play where, okay, fine, I'll get back together. But you had a debt problem. You had a gambling problem. You had a spending problem. So if we, if we get <laughs> you know back my, to, You know my life really well. <laughs> if we get, you spend too much on scotch. If we... <laughs> If we get back together and we do end up getting divorced after all, after all, here's what's going to happen. Gotcha. Anything else that we need to know? Um, 
boy, it's you can't don't do a bunch of frivolous things. I, I've seen really odd things in a in a prenup where people get caught up in uh, literally how much you're supposed to weigh, <laughs> who's supposed to mow the lawn, who's you know those types of things. So don't, don't get caught up in it. Make make it uh, open communication. Use a counselor to approach it. Um, if you think it's going to be contentious. But the prenup, you've got to put everything on the table. That's a chance where you show all your assets, all your liabilities, because if you don't, they're not going to hold up. I think I think weight should be part of a marriage contract. Yeah. So it, how unfair to marry someone and then they become a drunken slob. <laughs> Story of my life. Story of my life. That's CFP Chad Burton. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. One of the pieces of economic data out today, jobless claims. Applications for U.S. unemployment benefits unexpectedly climbed to a nine-week high, underscoring some of the difficulty of you know, seasonal variations tied towards winter weather and Easter and things like that, as well as spring recess at schools. Jobless claims rose by 14,344,000. It's the highest level. Uh, this is the time of the year where there's a lot of seasonal issues that we have to work through. Eventually, it settles out. Still, any number under 400,000 is a pretty good number, so we're okay with that. A little bit more of a subdued pace of firings would give managers room to step up hiring, depending on how much demand picks up. We're in okay economy. It's weak, but it's getting a little bit better. Look at the markets near all-time highs, and you have to say to yourself, I want a piece of that. Over time, it works out for you. Over one year, I make no promises. Over 10 years, take a look at history. It goes up 7 out of 10 years. You can find me online at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. We'll take a break here. Be right back. Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW and IR radio station. Welcome back in. Rob Black and your money. Every time I hear the killers, and I think Marissa Mayer having to play her wedding. How cool is that? Joining me now from The Street, actually MainStreet.com, a division of The Street, Nicholas Pell. Nicholas, how are you? I'm good. I wish that the Killers had played my wedding, actually. Yeah, I've seen the Killers in Vegas on New Year's, and that's as close as I'm going to get to uh, a big fancy event, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> With that said, um, she can afford the object of your recent article. Are you spending too much on food? Let's talk a little bit about food costs in our lives. Uh, well, it's... Obviously, if you go shopping at the supermarket, you know, the food costs are going up. Part of it is climate things. Some foods are, are scarcer than they used to be. I found out last night on my flight that the cost of limes has quadrupled yep. uh, in, in the last year or so. And, I mean, it's, 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 
you know, you want to get good food, but you don't want to pay too much for it, and you don't really have to. There are ways to both save money and to kind of keep your own your own spending in, in check. It's interesting that you bring up the price of limes because I think there's some sort of sub-story going around that a, kind of a Mexican drug cartel is having some sort of effect on the price of limes being exported to the United States. Uh, do you know anything about that myth or story? I know absolutely nothing about it. I just know that the cost of a gin and tonic is going through the roof. Okay. I once was on CNBC, and they asked me for an investment tip, and I said, uh, go to Home Depot, spend $5 on a lemon, lime, and orange tree, and uh, grow your own fruit. And they looked at me like I was crazy, but maybe I was onto something. I actually have a lemon tree, and it's, it's I mean, you know, nothing. Growing your own is certainly you know, a way to save money on groceries. In fact, I did an article for MainStreet.com on that very subject. And, and it's, you know, things like tomatoes and a lot of different kinds of herbs are pretty are pretty foolproof. And the tomatoes that you're going to, as anybody who's ever done it will tell you, tomatoes that you grow in your backyard are way better than, it, it's, it's like you've never had a tomato before. Uh, because tomatoes that you buy even in, you know, the organic section of Whole Foods, those are tomatoes that are grown not just for eating but for transporting over long distances. So if you want really, really killer tomatoes, I mean, you don't need a lot of space. You don't need a lot of know-how. And you can have the best tomatoes you've ever had in your life. And uh, fortunately, living in Southern California, citrus is Excuse me. Um, citrus is really easy to grow and and pretty pretty easy to come by. But I I sadly don't have limes and have lemons. Uh, maybe you'll go to Home Depot this weekend. So Nicholas Pell from MainStreet.com recently wrote an article. Are you spending too much on food? Part of this article is uh, very practical. It's literally things like having a plan. Uh, recapture some of this article for me that you think were some of the highlights. I mean, everybody kind of knows to not go when you're hungry and when you're depressed because they've had the experience of shopping for food when they're either hungry or depressed, and you, you end up leaving with half the store. Um, people know that they need to have a list, but what they don't think about is what, what you just brought up, which is planning their route through the store. And when I was unmarried, when I was a, a bachelor, I was the king of wandering around through the store, getting things kind of here and there. But there are one, the one thing that grocery stores want to do is they want to increase the time that you spend in the store because they have all these formulas about how much money you spend per minute in the store. So the, the point is to increase the time that you spend in the store. Interesting. So you have a plan of, a, a plan of attack. Uh, as it were, from how you're going to get from point A to point B, you're going to reduce your time in the store, you're going to make fewer impulse purchases, and most grocery stores are happy to give you a map of the store. It's one of these kind of strange things that people go, really? But, yeah, you can get a, you can literally get a map of the grocery store and, and plan your, your route through it. I've never heard of that. 
Yeah, and most people haven't, and it's not the type of thing that you really think about when you think about going to the grocery store. You think, well, if I have a list and I only buy things from the list, I'm not going to go much over. Um, but you don't think if I spend more time in the store, there's more impulse purchases, and if I don't know where I'm going and where I'm getting this, that, and the other, I'm going to spend more time in the store. So if you get a map and you and you plan it out, that's that's a way to reduce your time in the store and also reduce the amount of money that you spend. Again, um, talking about spending too much on food, having a plan, obviously that I didn't know, like they want us in the store longer, but now that you say that, you certainly do pick up some of those impulses uh, that end up on your shelves for a while. Um, how about budgeting? Is that realistic that we should say I'm only going to spend $100 at the store this weekend, or is that something you do? Yeah, that's absolutely something I do. Okay. Every Saturday when I go to the farmer's market, which is where I get a lot of my food, I there, you know, nobody – takes cards so i just get cash out and when it's gone we leave we're done it's almost easier to budget for groceries now because how often do you use cash at the actual grocery store most people are using their debit card so if you do if you look back on the last three months of your grocery spending, it's really easy to see what you spend, if not what you sp- spent it on. So you have some idea of what your your budget is anyway. And another way that you control that is by having having a menu and having ingredients on hand and almost treating your, your own home kitchen like it's a restaurant. I mean, it happens that restaurants run out of food, and I've worked in I've worked in kitchens, and I've seen it happen. But when it happens, it's very rare, and it's a big deal. And when you run out of something, you go, "Oh, I got to go to the store and, and get bread," and it happens all the time. But why did you run out of it? Why didn't you just get enough the last time that you went? And again, this goes back to decreasing the amount of time that you spend in the store, decreasing the amount of end caps that are designed to get you to spend money that you're walking by every every week. Um, so once you know how much you're spending on food, that gives you some kind of a guideline. But also, when you come home from the from the grocery store and you have everything in your kitchen, go through. What do you have? Why do you have it? What's it doing there? How much of it do you need? And take an inventory. Literally take an inventory. Write down everything that you have. And one thing that you want to do is have too deep of everything, which involves, I mean, you obviously can't do this with perishable goods, but it involves a bit of, of money spent up front getting your kitchen loaded up, but you never actually run out of things. So if you go through a, a thing of um, parsley, sure. for example, you have the other one backing it up, and you just make a note, time to, time to get some parsley or what have you. Interesting concept, very psychological. Um, again, trying to eliminate these last-second runs to the grocery store, and 
when you're doing it, not picking up a copy of Despicable Me 2, just because you're in that mood. Speaking with Nicholas Pell, any last thoughts on this article that you wrote? Anything that surprised you in it? Well, one thing, it's not so much surprising, but a lot of people don't realize how easy it is to kind of hypercharge their coupon use these days. You don't, the days of I have to sit spending several hours with the Sunday circular clipping coupons are, are very much gone. There are blogs like couponmom.com where she's already done all the work for you. And you can, if you're an astute shopper, you can, you can get things for free. Um, for example, if you have a store coupon that makes deodorant cost a dollar and you have a manufacturer's coupon for a dollar off deodorant, you're walking out of there with free deodorant. And if you go to these coupon blogs, you can find it all there. You can also put it all, uh, you can also get a lot of it through your phone via apps. You should always have the apps of the stores that you go to a lot and find a couple really solid really solid apps for shopping, for saving, and and, and, and use them. And, uh, and, and when you walk into the store, open it up, see what can I get a coupon for. It's, it's not savings if it's something that you wouldn't spend the money on anyway. But if you see, oh, they're running a sale on, you know, my deodorant, to, to go back to that example, it's, it, it, you're going to find savings on your phone that maybe weren't even there when you got in the car to go to the store, but are there now. Thanks very much. That's Nicholas Pell, MainStreet.com. Are you spending too much on food? If anyone wants a copy of the article, email me and I'll cut you the link to it. We'll take a break here. Be right back. Rob Black and your money. For now, 40 years. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome in. Rob Black here, talking money, investing, and more. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. One of the areas that I go back to is, like, I think we all do, our youth. And, you know, defining our youth is subjective. Uh, um, I don't go back to my childhood and go, man, I wish that I could go back to eight years old. But when I do see someone in their 20s and they're, they're willing to chat about money, I have no problem talking about it. Um, I think it's healthy. I think you should start making some decisions in your 20s. And hopefully you don't have regrets. Um I do see a growing disparity between the haves and the have-nots. I do. Um, I came from a background of uh, middle class, and I changed that. 
I worked many, many, many hours. I figured out a road to take, and I took some chances. I gave up my ability to marry and settle down and have a baby in my 20s. So I'll never be that father who's 40 years old with his 20-year-old son. I waited too long. Uh, You have to make some decisions in your 20s. And one of them is, in my opinion, is travel. Get out there and see the world before you start getting the obligations of a family. Travel is a great provider of knowledge. So I'm not just saying travel and have fun. I'm saying travel and start seeing some stuff. See how different people act, how, you know, from foods to the arts, customs, languages. Um, to me, money is a result. It's not a goal. So in your 20s, start seeing that. It's totally natural to live comfortably later on in life. Don't stress about money. It's going to come is one of the things that I say. So find something that you're good at. You don't have a lot of responsibility in your 20s. I told you, I got an email from a couple that came to my seminar, and in their 20s they traveled and they went to Africa and they worked at some safaris, um, and that's what they're going to make their career out of. So and I, I think they'll pull it off because they traveled, they saw the world, they traveled, and, and now they see this is, hey, this is something I love to do and I'm good at it. One of the things you have to start doing in your 20s, or you're going to regret it, is saving. You need to set aside 6 to 12 months of living expenses, maybe 2 to 6, depending on where, what part of the country you live in, what sort of job you have, um, as far as security goes. Uh, you're going to get injured in life. You're going to get sick. You're going to get fired. That's why you need that little extra bump of money, an emergency fund. Uh, I think in your 20s, one of the best things you can start doing is working out 30 to 45 minutes uh, aerobic activity five to six times a week. Um, yesterday, um, I got a chance to go on a three-mile walk, three-and-a-half-mile walk, and I loved it. Usually when I work out, it's, it's, it's an hour workout, but when you walk for an hour, it's pretty darn enjoyable, especially when you don't have to do it, but you do it anyway. Um, so anyway, that's things that you start doing. You're going to make mistakes in your 20s, and that's okay. Learn to accept mistakes. You know, I married a Playboy model. It didn't last even a year. And I'm okay with that mistake. Um, no bitterness. There was bitterness at the time. But as I got further and further away from it, uh, it was upsetting because uh, you, you, you don't want to get married. You want your marriage to last. You don't want to be the guy who's been divorced. But it's going to happen. You know, maybe not to you. Hopefully not to you. But uh, don't beat yourself up. Another thing that uh, I throw around, and I, I, I do this only once in a little while, is floss. Taking care of your teeth. Your teeth are expensive, and there's no good way for you to live with bad teeth. You're, you're going to smell. You're going to get disease. They're going to fall out. It's expensive to replace. Dentistry is really, really important. Um, and the last thing that I'll throw out in your 20s is invest in some, some knowledge about yourself. You should kind of figure out what makes you happy and what makes you upset. Realize what motivates you, uh, what you fear, you know, what you love, what you want to achieve. Learn a little something about yourself, and it goes a long way. Now, there's a car that I really, 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 really want called a Tesla. 
And if I had a genie, I'd ask for one. But I don't have a genie. So I said, you know, I'm going to get one in when I turn 50. Um, I don't need to live above my ways and means at this point in time. It, that's fine. People in San Francisco are now leaving flyers on Tesla cars, warning drivers that owning a Tesla means you're involved in organized crime. This is fascinating. The flyer accuses Tesla of manipulating Congress and questions the safety of lithium-ion batteries. Lithium-ion batteries blow up if they get wet or bumped, the flyer reads. They have already burned planes, cars, homes, and children. There have been tens of thousands of lithium-ion battery fires and explosions. Teslas have over 7,000 non-automotive design batteries in each car. That means over 7,000 chances of having a catastrophic fire. The people of San Francisco have lost their mind. The hating of Google, the hating of employees from Facebook, it's put on the wrong people. Instead of putting it on them, put it on your family and yourself. Put it on, you know, they went for engineering degrees and you didn't. Um, If you want to be bitter, that's fine. Bitterness is only going to consume you. So I love the city of San Francisco, but this whole wealth versus non-wealth and being mad at Google buses, you'd be particularly mad if they were all... You know, BMWs. For every 100 people on a bus, if you had 100 BMWs parking in your neighborhood, or 100 Teslas, I guess is the way I should go. Anyhow, Chad Burton does the show New Focus on Wealth. You can find that him at newfocusfinancial.com. It's newfocusfinancial.com. I'm Rob Black. I do the 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. show here, KDOW AM 1220. I'm Rob Black. from all angles. I say this calls for action. Technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you. At 800-516-1220. So call in, we'll chat, and uh, have some fun. Now, to start your day with the latest news and market commentary, here's Rob Black on the Wall Street Business Network. Welcome in. Rob Black, your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about where the markets are going. I believe there's reason to be optimistic. I don't think you have to be pessimistic at this point in time. Um, most of the time you should be optimistic because of something called capitalism. Capitalism works, and you may not like it, but it tends to work where supply and demand is a part of a play. Profits are part of a play. Having the ability to meet further demand is part of it. U.S. GDP not going away. Our government's going to spend money for the foreseeable future. As long as we're making it, they're taking in taxes, right? Now, there is some credence to the wealth divide, the haves and have-nots, but don't get too caught up in that. It's That solution is... That problem is 20 years from manifesting itself in an ugly way, and it will. Um, What we saw happen in Greece, I I could see that happening in the United States. A couple years ago, people getting hosed down because they're writing about the mismanagements of of money. Um, Investments tend to far outpace, you know, setting up government jobs. So there's not a lot of efficiencies in government jobs. 
S&P 500 is down 5 today. The Dow is down 40. The Nasdaq is down 5. There's an interesting note today. Coca-Cola is getting some pressure by Warren Buffett, uh, the wise one. Coca-Cola is likely going to revise its executive compensation plan before it goes into effect next year, bowing to pressure from billionaire investor Warren Buffett. Potential changes come after a surprise, sort of, so to speak. Voting shareholders approved Coke's plan last week, and Mr. Buffett declined to vote against it. Mr. Buffett aired his reservations about the plan privately in recent weeks to Coke's CEO, Mutar Kent, in three conversations. Berkshire Hathaway is Coke's largest shareholder, owning 9% of the beverage giant's shares. Mr. Buffett has frequently expressed his distaste for pay plans that rely heavily on stock options, calling them lottery tickets for executives that often generate outsized rewards. Such options give the recipient the right to purchase shares at a later date for a set price. So that is pretty interesting. Um, Talking about excessive CEO pay. When today I did a story, Marissa Mayer, in her 15 months, has made over $215 million in compensation. CEO Alan Mulally of Ford, he's leaving after eight years with $300 million nest egg. That seems outsized. And Warren Buffett, for his part, is speaking up. And maybe he's not as loud as some people would like, but at least he's speaking up about it. Um, I, to me, where does where does the compensation play in? You know, Marissa Mayer gets two hundred million dollars. The, the shares of the company have gone from ten fifteen billion dollars of value to thirty five billion dollars of value. It's been under her tenure, but has she really created that? Like really? Like it's just a conversation, right? Where do you come in at this? Drop me an email, rob at robblack.com. It's rob at robblack.com. I think it's going to become more of a... Congress will eventually get involved. I just I sense that. I don't know if I like that, but I sense it. Jobless claims in the United States unexpectedly climbed to a nine-week high. I can't make that into good news. You know, there's some angles inside of it where we had Easter and we had spring break. And, uh... But... We want subdued pace of firings, as subdued as we can. If we can get 300, 315,000, it's, it's for the better. GM Chrysler sales rose in the month of April. Ford shares, Ford slips, weaker car sales offset gains in trucks. Consumer spending surges in the month of March, boosting growth outlook. So consumer spending, like Rex's paper, that's rock. And Scissors is jobless claims today. Scissors can't beat rock. The consumer spending surge in March is, is positive, and that should reflect well in our economy in the coming months. AT&T's eyeing an acquisition for, of DirecTV. Combination of AT&T with a satellite TV company would create a pay television giant close in size to Comcast. Um, if ifs and buts were candy and nuts, we'll see what happens. Walmart's getting into the auto insurance industry. Whoa. A lot of people will price shop Expedia Priceline and Orbitz. They'll price shop travel. 
a flight to Hawaii is a flight to Hawaii. If I can get it cheaper on Priceline, I'll do it. 90% of people comparison shop for online products. I use a Norelco razor. And a Norelco razor to me is a Norelco razor. So I'll price shop for it. But when it comes to insurance, people don't price shop. Only one in five people. And Walmart wants to change that. So they're working with a company called autoinsurance.com. You'll be able to log into it, compare rates. And it uses a model very similar to Priceline, Orbitz, and Expedia. Good. Save more money, have more to spend at Walmart. Woo! I'm going to Walmart. So we had that guest on earlier today um, talking a little bit about shopping and how stores want you to shop as long as you can because the longer you're in their stores, the more likely you're going to spend money. That's what Walmart feels like to me. It's too big. You can't see everything. Um, Walmart stock, okay. I could find better retailers that I like more. So millennials are turning into a real big problem for retailers. The young generation shopping habits present huge issues. Every store in the world is literally in the millennials' pockets. They can hang out with their friends, sip latte, shop online, all at the same time with mobile commerce. So retailers are, are trying to do what they can as fast as they can to figure out how do we you know, get the millennials to be decisive about purchases. About 50% of millennials browse and research items they never intend on buying. The generation's also driving a decline in mall traffic. Why spend all the time and effort of traveling to and going through a very big and old, large, boring mall with a very limited number of cool stores? Millennials want high-quality products that are different from what their friends wear. So the world of Gap doesn't really succeed. There's a growing social justice challenge for brands. 32% of millennials have stopped buying from companies that have social practices that they find unacceptable. That's awesome. I, I tip my hat to millennials for that. Because my generation, we're like, ah, you have a factory in Malaysia that has uh, teeny tiny children using their teeny tiny hands putting together shoes. I'll buy them. Woo, I just got a pair, dollar pair of Nikes. Retailers also are altering merchandising strategies, trying to figure out, you know, trading and bartering versus traditional shopping. Rent the one, Runway is an example of a brand that has successfully done this. So retailers are having big problems with millennials. It's fun to watch. 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-516-1220. You're Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. Don't be shy. But you're shy. You fear me. You have nothing to fear. I'm nice like a pussycat. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Who's going to buy the L.A. Clippers? Will they even be sold? 
The shopping list includes Oprah Winfrey is on the list to buy them. David Geffen, Larry Ellison. Larry Ellison said something pretty funny. He uh, tried to buy the Warriors, and uh, he said, although I was the highest bidder, Chris Kilhan decided to sell to someone else. In my experience, this is a bit unusual. Man, right? Having that kind of money. $450 million was his bid, I believe, on the Clippers just a few years back. 800-516-1220. I don't even know if I'd want to own a basketball team, football team. If I were to own any team, I'd want to own like a, a local, really like A affiliate or double A affiliate baseball team where families can come out and you could do all sorts of fun stuff with families. Anyhow, uh, like the Gigantes, the San Jose Gigantes, a good day had by all when you see the Gigantes play, which the Oakland A's are considering moving into an, an A baseball stadium. Yeah, the crowds would look better there than they look at the Oakland Coliseum. The S&P 500 up one, the Dow down nine, the Nasdaq up 22. Joining me now, CFP John Burton. You can find him and his financial planning firm at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. They say that corporations are living beings, and that's why I don't really trust earnings season, because as a living being, as a human, I kind of know that I manage my taxes. I kind of like massage it, that, yeah, let's run it through the program one more time and see if I can get more money. With that said, let's not get caught by the IRS. (laughs) What are some of the flags that the IRS might see? What, so what are some of the flags that cause your return to be highlighted for a potential audit? Yeah. Um, well, first of all, this, the simple one nowadays is making too much money. So your chance of being audited for most of America is pretty low. It's 1.11%. But as soon as you hit 200000 or more in income, that quadruples. It's about 4%. So if you make that much, there's a 25% chance that you're going to get audited. So if you're making over $200,000, probably going to get audited now in the next four years. Okay. And if you're one million or more, you know, it, it's a real high likelihood in the next two years you're probably going to get audited, especially based on new tax laws that were passed, making sure people are compliant. So that's that's one. Another big one is, um, especially for people that contract, they do a lot of contract work, yeah. or they work for somebody with a W-2, and then um, they do some contract work and they may lose the 1099, but the IRS gets a copy of it. Don't think that you're the only one that gets a copy of that 1099. So failing to report all of your taxable income, your 1099s from your brokerage firm, from your bank accounts, um, W-2s, all of that stuff. So as soon as you do something where you forget to report a little amount, maybe it's $1,000, wow. that's a red flag for an audit. Because they say, we received 11 out of 12. We received 12 documents, you submitted 11. Ding, 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 ding. It's pretty easy math to catch someone. Yeah, because then they assume that you've consistently been lying, and they're going to go back and look at even more returns, yeah. put you under the... Microscope. You remember I dated an IRS agent in college, right? Yeah, how did that end up for you? Not so good. Yeah. Got a couple audits. <laughs> so. so charitable deductions is another big one because laws have kind of changed over the last couple of years, and people used to kind of inflate their drop-offs at Goodwill or whatever that may be. There's a Form 8283 for donations that you make over $500. So as soon as you file that, your chances of an audit increase. So that's unfortunate. You, you know, if you do give more and you're legitimately giving more, yeah. you're filing that form, it actually is a bit of a red flag. So people that do that, if you make higher income, if you do a lot of charitable giving, if you have stock options and, and contract work, remember, if you get audited, wow. it's the CPA that represents you in front of the IRS agent. And they know how to do that meeting. Let you me, don't. 
Let me show you how most audits start. You submitted 2009 taxes that said you owed this. We see that you actually owe two times that. It starts with a letter. Right. It doesn't start with them coming to your door, knocking on it. Mr. Black, we're here to seize your property. It starts with, we disagree. There's a deficiency, so you're guilty until proven innocent, so prove that you're innocent. Right. And if you can't prove you're innocent, we eventually will levy your accounts. <laughs> so um, it's you know it's something that you want to get on top of right away because any deficiencies, if they're true deficiencies, have really, really high interest rates and penalties that really add up. It's really tough to go bankrupt against the IRS. Absolutely. It stays on your record a long time, too. And they'll take a little $50 payment here or there, but they want their payments. Yeah. You know, another big one is people that claim the home office deduction. <laughs> this gets really, really messy. I did that when people I was like talk 22. about. Yeah, it's, it's such a... It's not worth the hassle. No. I'm telling you right now, it's not worth the hassle um, in terms of, you know, people try to write off all of their, you know, a huge amount of their rent or taxes or utilities and phone bills for their home office deduction. Cable modem. I used to write off that cable modem every year, and then I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to do it this year. <laughs> so, and it's supposed to be exclusive use. So, you know, that that's the issue right there. So, you're, you're doing a lot of home office deductions. Get ready for that audit in the next four years. Anything else that we need to know? We've got about a minute left. Gosh, you, you know, people claiming a lot of rental losses or claiming they're active in real estate, so they don't. There's there's you know twenty five thousand dollar allowance, but people try to get more than that if they say they're active. Um, deducting business meals, if you have a huge amount there, that's going to get audited more than likely. Claiming 100% use of a vehicle as business, nobody uses, you know, unless you're getting the corporate car yeah. and you have your own separate cars for personal use, that doesn't typically happen. And a big one, Rob, is people that try to start a business and it loses money for more than three years. And really what it is is a hobby. Maybe it's, you know, selling candles or whatever it may be. Herbalife. <laughs> as soon as you use that as a business and then you've lost money for more than three years in a row, the IRS is going to start looking at it as a, as a hobby, and you're going to put yourself under the We know a guy spotlight. whose wife sells Brazilian jewelry or something like rainforest jewelry, mm-hmm. and it ain't ever going to make money. It's, just, <laughs> it's a hobby to keep his wife from nagging him. <laughs> no comment on that one, but uh, a cash business that does it, failing to report foreign bank accounts is a real big issue these days for people. So if you're doing anything in you know Mexico, that's got to be reported. Um and currency transactions, and you know, if you if if you look at your return and you take higher than average deductions than most people in your area, that's a red flag. So those people that do that, they really need to have a good CPA on their side, do the tax returns. You know, I wouldn't use TurboTax; I'd use a professional. Yeah, if you, uh, professionals can cost you twenty five hundred to four thousand dollars, though. Well, that's a high end return, but yeah, yeah, it's for the average self employed, it probably won't be that much, but. It's it's worth having a good enrolled agent or CPA. CFP Chad Burton, you can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. He is friends with the IRS. <laughs> friends with the IRS. CFP Chad Burton. I'm Rob Black, 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-516-1220. Anything you want to talk about, we could talk about money, investing, and or more. Um, what would you buy if you had a billion dollars? Would you go out and get a basketball team or would you go out and get an island? All interesting to think about when we stop and think about them. Subway leads fast food industry in underpaying workers. They've been found in violations of pay and hour rules, more than 1,100 investigations spanning from 2000 to 2013. Hmm. The $5 sandwich company, they kind of broke that barrier. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more.
Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome back in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. What's on your financial mind? Don't be shy. 800 516 1220. It's 800 516 1220. Again, anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about. Hey, it's, um, it's a new month, May 1st. Bills are due. Uh, I've got Mint.com on my phone just because it does a nice job of kind of pulling together all my credit cards and uh, bank accounts so I can see if I have enough cash in my accounts to pay my bills. So later today I will do that in case I have to run to the bank and do a transfer or something along those lines. Uh, Someone recently asked me about Fidelity as far as giving up on a real bank and using just Fidelity online using Fidelity as a bank. From check writing to fees, I think Fidelity is great. Um, You could use TD Ameritrade, you could use Schwab. Um, It's just as safe as a bank, if not safer. And again, if it keeps all your assets in one place, I'm I'm pro it, just so you can kind of get a better hand on what you have and when you have it and where you have it. Like I said, you know, I've got to use Mint to pull all my accounts together. Um, there's some great financial lockers out there if you work with a professional financial planner, um, which I think can save you well. Um, just having your financial documents like a will and a trust and things like that in the right place uh, does you wonders as far as getting ahead and being able to manage what you have. Uh, a story that is of an interest to me is rents and how much are people paying to rent? Another story that's interesting to me is marijuana. Weed's gone mainstream and you can buy severally, several publicly traded companies now. Uh, there's one called Medical Marijuana, MJNA, Cannabis Sciences, CBIS. But these stocks are like Wild Wild West stocks, they're like penny stocks. So you need to be very, very knowing going in that you're probably going to lose money. Lack of regulation. More regulation might actually help the pot business. Surprise, surprise. Certainly the the demand is there. Um, But it's an industry that anyone can come into. So be very cautious listening to anyone that tells you to get into those stocks. So the other story that I was interested in is rent. Many in our nation, uh, you know, the housing market's pretty big. We all kind of agree, rents have gotten kind of crazy. Uh, We're not building properties as fast as we are building demand. For a while there, we shut down building. One out of three Americans now live in the housing market where rent 
for a three-bedroom home eats up more than 30% of their monthly income. The traditional threshold of affordability, you don't, you can't afford to spend more than that. When you do, you start sacrificing other areas. You know, if income tax is 10%, sales tax is 10%, federal income is another 20%, 30%. You add the 30% rent on that, and like you've got 10% left over for food and emergencies before you even get to entertainment. Um, trends in Philly, Philadelphia, Brooklyn, Baltimore, Miami, um, San Francisco, people are paying 50% of their income towards rent. The foreclosure crisis turned millions of Americans who were homeowners into renters, while years of economic uncertainty has kept many would-be buyers from leaving their rentals. So that's created big demand for rental housing, and it's helped push rents up more than 21% since their peaks um, in 2006. So renters are getting squeezed because their income isn't getting much inflation. In fact, when adjusted for the last six years, incomes are down 14% when adjusted for inflation. And housing becomes more and more expensive, renting does. When housing becomes unaffordable, it starts holding people back. Um, It can prevent a person from taking a lower-paying job that offers more opportunity for advancement. It can stop people from having children. So rent is a big question in our society, or at least to me. I'm hoping it is to you. Uh, We do want more affordable renting so that people can get on with their careers. There's a guy that I work with that he has to live with his parents because he can't afford to rent on his own. Um, He's afraid to leave this market for another market because he can't create enough of a cash bubble uh, to survive off of in other markets. And that's what we got right now, right? 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. Exxon beat expectations. MasterCard beat expectations. Cigna beat expectations. Um, Those are kind of bogus numbers because... We should have a report card. Did they beat numbers from 45 days ago, or these revised lower numbers when they saw how the quarter was going? AT&T is reportedly in discussions to buy DirecTV. That would be interesting. Um, It would create a player uh, that does not currently exist to take on a Comcast. Now, again, Comcast is trying to pick up Time Warner. Um... So a combination of AT&T and DirecTV would create a pay television giant close to the size of Comcast. DirecTV is the second biggest pay TV operator with 20 million customers. AT&T's landline TV business serves about 5.7 million. So the nearly 26 million would be pretty close to the combined 30 million between Comcast and Time Warner. The deal would likely be worth at least $40 billion. DirecTV should take this one and run. Take it. Say yes, please. Satellites have that inability to offer Internet access. It's competitive with cable and phone. So it would make DirecTV a stronger player. Satellite TV industry space a slowdown in subscriber growth after years of adding customers. The pay television market in the United States is pretty mature. 90% of U.S. households with TVs now subscribe to either cable satellite um, or phone company-delivered TV. That's crazy, isn't it? 10% of Americans have a uh, television subscription. 
or that 90% do. Um, AT&T's interest in owning a satellite television provider has been speculated about for years. Again, the industry is converging um, through consolidation. You know, AT&T wants you to have one bill for phone, for Internet, for TV. If you notice, that's what Comcast has you know, set it up as, as a package where you get the three or four services bundled together. Ford had a weaker car sales. They sold 211,000 vehicles a month of April, down seven-tenths of a percent from the same month in 2013. Uh, car sales are down 9.1%. Trucks were up 8%. Now, here's where I get kind of ignorant. If you were to ask me to name four or five brands of Ford, I probably can't. Um, the luxury Lincoln brand experienced a big slide in car sales that wiped out gains in utility vehicles. Alan Mulally is stepping down July 1 from Ford, going to be replaced by Mark Fields. General Motors said they sold uh, 254,000 vehicles, up 6.9%. Um, that's, again, these are good numbers, and you want to pay attention to these numbers. Overall, they're good. Ford's weren't, but a lot of money goes, a lot of business goes into producing a car, delivering a car, selling a car, financing a car. A lot of wages are made from that. Cars are very important to our economy. Um, 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Walmart's getting into the insurance industry. Very, very interesting. Basically a similar type business model that Priceline Expedia, uh, Travelocity kind of use, where... You say where you want to go, and you can bid on it. Um, or you can price compare shop and see what others are offering. And that makes it in their best offer if they want to get that customer and hold that customer to be competitive. And not just to rely on the fact that people don't shop around. I shop around my homeowner's insurance policy fairly regularly. I shop around my car policy regularly. Most global markets are closed for Labor Day. Coming up. Um, Dow Jones Transportation Average outperforms with support from Conway and Kirby. Strength today is seen in consumer discretionary tech and utilities, weakness in consumer staples, health care, and materials. Coca-Cola and McDonald's um, are some of the weaker components out there. The largest energy component, ExxonMobil, on the Dow Jones is also lower. Visa's higher today in kind of collateral positives. With MasterCard, MasterCard reported better than expected results. Um, I see those as very attractive stocks to the long-term patient investor. Not for everyone, but the long-term patient investor. Labor shortages are predicted 10 years out from now. Not unemployment, but labor shortages. Baby boomers will virtually all be retired by 2030, and so the rapid decline in the unemployment rate will likely continue. The forecast is for the jobless rate is going to hit somewhere around 5.5% to be natural, the new normal. Growth in working age population between 18 and 64 is due to slow. So unless there's a surge in immigration, the growth of the U.S. economy will be constrained by the growth of the labor force. Interesting. Um, how are you going to position yourself for this? You can find me online at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. Find me on Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show.
Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Oh, what is there? Morgan Stanley is out there today talking a little bit about marijuana stocks. And cannabis investors, you got to be very, very cautious. I think this is worth bringing up one more time, that it's, it's like a story. Hey, every state will probably eventually approve this. You know, get in now before the big money's been made. Be very cautious on things like that. Um, let's go to Katrina from Fremont. Katrina? Yes, hi, good morning. Hi. Hey, um, I think you are just absolutely fascinating. And I called yesterday and I missed you. And um, I waited too late. I kept listening to your show. You are um, so brutally honest. Um, but I wanted to ask you um, your opinion about some stock purchase, um, whether it's negative or positive, and um, any um, suggestions of stock that I can purchase. I just opened up an online account at Charles Schwab, and Scott E-Trade have not put any money in either. Um, both these people keep calling me and saying, you know, you better hurry up and put your money in so you can start trading. But I really don't know if that's the route that you're supposed to go in order to avoid a lot of fees rather than going to someone's office. Yeah, I don't think you want to be buying stocks. There's my brutal assessment. Oh, wow. <laughs> let, me ask, let me ask some questions, Katrina. Okay. How old are you? How old are you? Uh, I'm 64. 64. How much money do you have saved for 64 to 100 years old? I'm really hoping that I don't live past, like, early 70s. Okay, why? Why? Um, because, um, I don't know, I just think it's just, you're just, I, I, I don't know, just kind of a variety of reasons, money. Um, okay. I can't see spending just a ton of money so being in a home where someone is taking care of me. Um, okay. But that's really um, neither here nor there. Um but, if I were to be brutally honest, then I'd say make sure you invest in a pistol, but I'm not going to say that. <laughs> um, how much money do you have, say, for age 64 to 75? Um, I have $100,000, and that is it. Okay. Are you married? Yes. Okay. So that's 100000 between the two of you? Um, no. That's some um, extra money that I had. Um and he really doesn't have any money, and an, we are struggling with a house payment. So we okay. did the, um, what's it called, the, uh, the, the um, Keep Your Home California this year, and okay. then you have to stay in it for three years after that. Otherwise, Good. you have to pay it back. 
Good. Um, are you working? Um, part-time here and there. Okay. Can you pick up more work? I would love to, <laughs> and okay. I do. I'm registered with a couple agencies, and I've been in retail all my life, unfortunately. Yeah, that is unfortunate. Cause... Yeah, because and I never pursued the whole accounting thing because I thought that there were too many brilliant people out there, but that's that's my little deal, and I should have because when you're how in about a... your How about your husband? Does he work? Yeah, he's struggling now. He was an engineer, and he was out of work for a year. Right now, okay. he's working for a hospital as a contractor. Good. Um, is there any 401k money? Guaranteed. Pardon me? Is there any 401k, 403b money from his career as a engineer? Um, he did. Um, he cashed a lot of it in. Now he just has about 15000 left. Okay. So essentially it sounds like you all have about 115000 Well, and then I have coal stock, but it's worth 15000 Okay. You're probably going to want to move as soon as you can, <laughs> is my thought. Yeah. Because this is an expensive area to live in, especially if you're going to be working in retail. So you're going to probably, you know, do your California thing for the next three years, try to sell your house. It'll probably still be a pretty good market in two to three years. Um, try to get out of it if you have any sort of uh, equity in it. Find a state that's incredibly cheap to live in, um, Arizona, Nevada that are really friendly towards senior citizens, you're going to get your Social Security, and you're going to have $100,000. I would not give a stockbroker any money in any way, shape, or form. Um, I don't think that's how you make wealth in this world. I think you accumulate wealth, which you and your husband failed to do from age 20 to 60. Um, 100's not bad. You know, If you keep it in the markets for another 5, 10 years, you'll have 200. But that's in the markets, not in individual stocks. If you try to hit a home run with an individual stock, you might also strike out, and you don't have any cushion here. So um, can you go back for a second? What did you just say if you stay in the market, what, but you're not talking about stock? If you're not going to touch that money for five to ten years, I'd, I'd have some sort of exposure to the S&P 500, large-cap companies. I'd have some sort of exposure to mid-cap companies, small-cap companies, uh, emerging markets, and income. And you could say 20% of each, and you could add more towards large and income if you want to be safer, add more to small and mid and emerging if you want to be more aggressive. Um, if you want to drop me an email, you can drop me an email, rob at robblack.com, and I'll write that idea down for you. Okay. But doing individual stocks with a stockbroker, stockbrokers are so 1980s. Um, now you want allocations, and you want indexes that are low-cost and not high-fee transactions. Um, and if they're calling you, they should be calling a millionaire. They shouldn't be calling a woman who's, you know, struggled. Uh, that tells you that their firm is basically saying, okay, flunky, go, here, go call this list. Um, individual stocks are, are much more dangerous vehicles than exchange-traded funds or index funds um, for a variety of reasons, including costs, which you've got to be careful on. Thanks for the call, Katrina. Uh, feel free to call again. You can drop me an email, rob at robblack.com. It's rob at robblack.com. and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers. 
Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.